And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch. From growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Lauren Conaway. Hi, Lauren. Hello, hello. We're going to Tulsa. We're going to Tulsa. Yeah. You You know where that's at? I I do know where that's at. I've actually been there. You've been to Tulsa? Yeah, I've been hearing a lot of really exciting things about the entrepreneurial ecosystem. So I'm very excited about this. Yeah, that's why we uh, that's why we decided to stop there. I don't think a lot of people are taking the time, effort, and energy to highlight Tulsa's top startups, which is exactly what we're going to do today. Right after I remind you that today's episode of Startup Hustle is powered by FullScale.io. <coughs> Hiring software developers is difficult, and FullScale can help you build software team quickly and affordably, and has a platform to help you manage that team. Lauren, all you got to do. Go to fullscale.io. It takes like two minutes to fill out the form. Can you can you build a software team quickly and affordably if you do all of that? Yeah. Yeah. That's what we yeah. hope you do. That's what I've heard. Yeah, it can <laughs> happen. It can happen. So here we are. You know, we've got 12 companies today. And as you mentioned, Tulsa has become this small little hotspot of startup activity. And uh, yeah, we're going to talk about that and more. I, you know, we've even seen like one of these companies uh, on the list today actually moved from our hometown of Kansas City. They were they were drawn away to all of the glitz and glamour uh, in Tulsa. From Tulsa, yeah. yeah. I, I I am well aware. I, I can't wait to crack into that because that's a that that was a hard pill to swallow. So we're gonna we're gonna find out why though, right? Yeah, they've there, been there's a, awesome stuff. Yeah, those same people have actually been on Startup Hustle. So yeah, yeah we'll, we'll see. Well, I'm going to go ahead and, well, before we start, I almost got the cart in front of the horse there, Lauren. All right, so we got 12 companies on the list, but we're not, the, the way our lists work is you're kind of on it or you're not. And uh, so just because we read the name first doesn't mean that that's the number one startup in Tulsa. Uh, we don't really have a true way to determine that uh, definitively. So we just like to highlight some of the top movers and shakers in the area. And first on that list is Volt. And Volt, which was uh, formerly known as Respond Flow. Respond Flow. Yeah, led by Martin Langello Lian. And I oh, mean, why are your guys' names so hard to, to pronounce on so <laughs> I'm many go, days? I'm going to go with Morphopolis. Yes, Matt think? Morphopolis. I got the map part right. I know yeah. it's gonna, you go to textvolt.com. And, you know, that's a, we're in the soft, you know, Volt's a leading SMS platform that's built on uh, compliance to help companies confidently connect with their customers and they steer users through the complexities of at-scale texting, shortening sales cycles, increasing conversion rates, and building lifelong consumer relationships. You know, as uh, as uh, one of the founders of Gigabook, I have a high appreciation for messaging platforms because we use them. So yeah. 
Yeah, Volt's, uh, you know, raised $3.3 million. Uh, that's what we show. I find a lot of times I get, uh, I go to record an episode with some of these founders and like, I'm like, oh, you've raised 3.3. And they're like, yeah, actually, it's more like seven or eight. So who knows? It could be more. But yeah, 3.3 million that we have found. So yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that is super cool. I mean, how are you, how are you feeling about volts? Because I, I have to tell you, it could make my job potentially very, very easier. What do you think? Well, I mean, I like it because, you know, there's, so there is, a, and I'm not going to give them an ad, but there is a, a major provider of said messaging services that... <laughs> Um, a lot of people use and has their own conference and everything. And yeah, I mean, they've been kind of a pain in our ass lately. So yeah. I've, been looking, I've been looking, so this is, this is timely because yeah. we have been looking to change our, our delivery service. And I'll tell you what, Volt is going to get a look. So yeah, I'm into it. Yeah, it's, it's pretty soon. It's going to be Matt DeCourcy, not only a podcast champion, but also a user, right? Yeah, We're going to totally. try it out. I'm sure that will yeah. be on the banner of the website soon. I, I feel like that would be a good marketing move for you. Uh, so, so I'm super excited to dive into this next startup on the list. We have Totem. And I got to tell you, my friend, um, you know, I, I love talking about issues of equity and inclusion. And Totem is, they're, they're driving some pretty impressive change. They are a financial institution. Uh, I don't, this is kind of an alarming stat, but less than 1% of banks are native owned. Did you know that? I did not know that, but that sounds sad to me. Uh, Totem was founded and funded by natives, and they are the only digital bank that caters to indigenous people. Um, you know, we're starting to see banking institutions that are very niche marketed and focused around that equity and inclusion piece. Um, so it's really, really fascinating to see one that is is serving specifically indigenous people. And I'm really, really glad to see it. Anytime you see a banking institution like this, you see financial inclusion. Uh, and I feel like our indigenous communities deserve our attention there. Um, so, so very, very glad to see this. They have raised $2.4 million through two funding rounds with six investors. Um, you know, they're just, they're doing a cool thing. Every time you swipe your totem debit card to make a purchase, the merchant pays your bank and card a network fee for the convenience convenience of accepting cards and they receive some of those fees. And so they're also building out different uh, revenue models and sharing portions of their profits with their tribal partners. Um, I don't know. I think it's super cool. I'm excited. Way to go totem. Yeah, I'm into it. You know, I, uh, you know, there's quite a few reservations in Oklahoma. I'm not going to um, pretend that I, that I'm an authority on that subject. I know that there's a lot and, uh, you know, I used to live in, in New Mexico as well, and I've had, you know, have quite a few Native American friends. I know that there is um, a lot going on and, and you know, the, there are some struggles that come with the, the reservation lifestyle. And some of that yeah. is, is related to, you know, access to funding and banking. So, yeah, I'm all for it. Yeah. Yeah. Well done. Well done, Totem. Yeah, we're going to, here in 2023, we're going to, uh, you know, there is, uh, at the time of this recording, you know, we're a few weeks out of Silicon Valley Bank's implosion. And oh. uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, there there may be some further disruption in the banking industry this year. So, yeah, yeah I think that there's, there's a lot to be said about all that. For sure. All right. Next on the list is Patch RX. 
CEO and co-founder Adam er- Ertiker and Gavin Buchanan. You go to patchrx.io. You're like, yeah. It feels intentional on some Thanks, days when Jessica. it comes to yeah, easy name, tough founder pronunciation, but we're used to that here on Startup Hustle. So PatchRx is a remote therapeutic management platform that boosts adherence and helps increase patient compliance. Their 360 degree approach to medication compliance is designed to assist clinics in capitalizing on remote therapeutic monitoring. You know, the remote technology thing is is big. There's a lot of patients and people in general and in life that um, have it, they're either not close to the kind of medical or care, you know, tech care that they need, or they're not able to get there easily due to lack of help. So I think that anything that that does, that uses technology to manage, uh, manage this stuff and improve, you know, prescription adherence. And, you know, there's a lot to be said with that. So yeah, definitely all for that. Well, and I mean, the the long-term effect and the implications, like you're creating better health outcomes, you know, people taking their medicine on time yeah. and I, particularly like folks who, who are older or who have multiple, uh, multiple issues or conditions, you know, you're sometimes taking five, six, seven, eight, a bunch of pills a day, right? And it's really difficult to keep track of and you have to be careful about interactions and time of day and it it can be a really complicated thing. And so, I mean, I would totally use Patch RX, honestly, to, to figure out my life. Well, they, they created a smart pill bottle cap that connects to a patient's phone and ensures that patients are taking the right medicine at the right times. Yeah. That's and exactly. That's, I want a, I, mean, I want a smart pill bottle, man. <laughs> I know. I know. I don't know what. What would that tell me? Uh, I don't even want to contemplate the thought, my friend. <laughs> that's oh my really God. scary. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, so so next up, you know, it's not scary. Uh, well, actually, this is a little scary because we're going to talk about a bra- a great heartbreaker. Matt, are you ready? Yeah. We're here to talk about bottle learning. You remember? Yeah. You remember bottle learning? Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, I I've know, known yeah. Edna know and Clarence, Clarence for and years, Edna, yeah, 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 <laughs> but great. they they were originally here in the Kansas City area, and then Tulsa stole them away with their entrepreneurial, friendly policies and their strong ecosystem and their accelerator programs and all of those beautiful things that Tulsa is doing. They got absconded with, and I'm still heartbroken about it. I still wear my bottle sweatshirt all the time, but bottle, um, you know. Accessibility of learning is is a big thing. Ed tech is, is a big big field, and Bottle has created this game based learning platform. We we I think we've probably all heard about gamification and how you keep kids engaged through through learning. Um, they've created a learning platform that helps teachers deliver data driven practice and assessments that boost engagement and motivation. So they're trying to get their learners, their students engaged early, you know, make sure that they're capturing the information so that they can better teach and educate. Um, but I, I just love what bottle learning is doing. They're, they're making math and they're making STEM and they're making learning accessible for the kids who need that little bit of extra motivation, right? I mean, you, you've got kids. Do you oh, yeah. like it when they play educational games? Yeah, I wish they'd play more of them instead of some of the crap that they play, you know, <laughs> that I can't seem to effectively police, you know. Yeah, they, it's tough. They've, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that anything that is going to make, okay, so the whole the whole screens thing when it comes to kids is, is tough to manage already, you know, yeah. because 
I mean, they find a way to them. I'm kind sure. of in that school that they're going to find, they're going to be using screens. I mean, it's hard for me to tell them not to look at a screen when I sit around. That's what I do all day. Yeah. So you can find ways to make that, to, to fill that void. Right. And help them learn. You know, it's great. I mean, my kids, are, my, my kids have, we've used a whole lot of apps and bottles in there. And, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff that my kids play and learn a lot of stuff from too. So some of my kids come in and tell me things and they're like, I'm like, wow, where'd you learn that? I'm like, okay, well, that app's doing a better job of teaching you than I am. I mean, anything that can help educate our kids. And I love the fact, like they're using 3D technology, adaptive learning technologies, they're personalizing experiences. Like they, they're, they're doing some game changing stuff around that, that experiential learning piece that we, that we are learning with our kids that that is like crucially important to development. So I bottle Clarence, Edna, we love you. We miss you. And congratulations on being a Tulsa top startup. Yeah, they've done a great job. You know, they're in 27,000 classrooms. And that was like what our notes show. They're probably in more since then in all 50 states. So yeah, impressive work, my friends. The results, the results, the results tell you that right there. Well, and and real quick, just so you know, Edna is an innovator. She's one of our members. Mm. Yeah, Yeah, they're they're great. I I mean, I haven't seen either one of them in a while, but very, very very nice, welcoming people. Oh, it just, wonderful. I just, you can't help but want them to be ex- as successful Super as successful. possible, regardless of where. So exactly. Exactly. All right, ne- next on the list is Shatterbox led by Dustin Baker and Alan Falk. And thank you Shatterbox for the straightforward naming. <laughs> yeah. You don't even so, have that many syllables in there. Like, yeah. all right, we're good. <laughs> You're in the staffing and recruiting business. I know a couple things about that myself as the CEO yep. and founder of Fullscale, but they they have a, a program uh, recruiting a new generation of talent into one-year apprentice programs to solve an employment crisis that exists in small business, in the small business, uh, SBA lending industry. Now, you know, that, that's, that's hyper-specific with that. Yeah. But, you know, there's, and, and, you know, with Shatterbox and the problem they're solving, they're talking about hiring, learning, and mentorship as being the pillars that their app stands for and upon. And, you know, there's a, this is, this is a need, obviously the SBA lending industry is one thing, but, but, you know, solutions and these that that lead people towards internship and apprentice programs uh, here in North America need to keep popping up because we have a lot of, I mean, that's the, the reason my business exists is there's 300,000 open tech jobs. Yeah. You know, and like some of this stuff's got the gap between what we need and what we have is is probably never going to get filled. You know, right. so some of that is, and we still like you need to drive people towards towards stuff like this. So I commend anyone that's tackling these problems. So Shatterbox, go to Shatterbox.io and learn more. Yeah, I you know during my time as a recruiter, a tool like this would have been super 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 helpful. So I'm I'm, I'm all for it. Shatterbox. Uh, and, and I am also, I'm, I'm about our next startup, Billion Minds. And hey, that was pretty easy to pronounce. I love it. But Billion Minds is, is really interesting. So 
they've put together a remote work skills development platform that uses experiential learning. What did I just say in bottle learning? Experiential learning is like this buzz phrase that we're all going to learn a lot about in the coming coming days and coming years. But one of the things that they they're trying to to teach is prioritizing more effectively. You know, another thing that they're looking at is how to integrate work better with the rest of your lives. Um, you know, they're really putting a focus on helping people to develop a set of skills to be more effective in their careers. And I find that really interesting because when we talk about professional development, I see a lot of skills based training, but I love things that teach those soft skills and teach the things that are going to make you a better, more fulfilled employee, not just a more technically astute employee, right? Because that's what, because we need both. You need to have that balance on your team, right? I mean, you hire a bunch of people. When you're hiring for developers, you're looking for technical skill, but you're also looking for people who can integrate into the team, right? Yeah, Yeah, that's just as, that's as important to us as the actual technical skills. And yeah. You, know, you look at things like obviously you're looking for relevant experience, uh, but for us, we're looking for other things like aptitude, problem solving, communication, uh, critical thinking. Like critical thinking is the ability to actually say, "Hey, I'm critical of. I, I have some criticism about this approach for the following reasons and wanting to improve it." And then, you know, some of it's just also things like attitude and likability. Yeah, you know, which which by the way are hard to train. That's true. <laughs> I, I I mean it's you can improve on some of them, but you're right when it comes to that training. There's a there's a you know it's it'd be interesting to see what happens over the next twenty years as well because there's so much of this remote culture that you know we're recording this in a virtual studio. And, you know, there's a whole lot of things that come in and, you know, I've even looked at this with my own kids because, you know, they, they had early years, the pandemic years where they weren't in school. Yeah. Took them away from some key socialization periods and stuff like that. And, And, you know, some of that I've talked to other parents about that is, is we may have to fill some gaps in, in some of these, you know, you mentioned soft, soft skills training and stuff like that. So, well, and I, 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 one of the things that I like is that they, they're kind of taking a holistic approach, you know, they're talking about more effectiveness, but they're also talking about that work-life balance. And I want to call attention to something. Uh, Hey friends, if you don't already follow Matt DeCourcy on like Instagram or LinkedIn oh, or social platforms, you've actually been coming out with some really bitching content lately, man. Like that nice. thing you did about, uh, you, you literally just did this one, but it was about create, like saying thank you to your employees, like mm. the value of saying thank you. And like, but you've done a, a few that are related to culture and related to exactly what we're talking about. So I just wanted to call you out because I knew you weren't going to do it, but friends follow Matt DeCourcy. Uh, well, I think you ran <laughs> some of those. I've, well, yeah, but I, you have been usually recently. the ones that I'm not in are the ones where I'm just like, ooh, that was amazing. That was a truth bomb that he just oh dropped. Oh, <laughs> well, that's, you know, that's funny because there's a, a line I have to straddle between some of my strong candor yeah. on some days and sometimes it's not. But no, there's uh, Str- yeah, that, strong candor, what we're calling it. Sure. <laughs> Sounds fine. Pol- All right. It's a polite way to say it. Now, you know, Lauren, if you need to find expert software developers, that doesn't have to be difficult, especially as difficult as you are on some days like today. 
but you, you just go to fullscale.io where you can build a software team quickly and affordably use the full scale platform to define your technical needs and then see what available developers, testers, and leaders are ready to join your team. Visit fullscale.io to learn more. And, and, you know, you're right though. Like we, we, we provide different types of training and stuff like that. And, we're constantly looking at stuff like what can we do to, to make it better? And yeah. you know, there's, there's challenges because the, you know, the, the workplace is evolving and, and, you know, we went from every, every day in person to like full remote and there's like a big push to going back and there's this right. hybridization of things. And you know, with that, we got to improve and keep that training training moving forward. So, all right. Yeah. Next on the list is fan sub met, and I was given a hard time to names before, and then I get all these easy ones. <laughs> so no one, no, if you're listening from Tulsa for the first time, we usually have complex startup names and founders. And so it's kind they of, they always joke have vowels in weird places. Yeah. And why is where other letters should be. But what doesn't <laughs> is CEO and co-founder Chris Davis and CTO and, and co-founder Brandon King. You can go to fansub.live to learn more about what they're doing. So they're an all-in-one platform for managing a creator's booking, marketing, and live experiences. The uh, interactive platform allows users to create, ticket, and stream live experiences for some of the world's most iconic venues. Uh, you know, from every, it could be everything from that to your local pool hall or backyard or home studio. So uh, I'm definitely into this. I, I really, you know, this company, you talk about, Tulsa attracting talent. Uh, yeah. They were founded in Atlanta, and uh, and and they moved. Oh, to Tulsa. so it's not just us. They're just poaching people from all over the place. Way to go, Tulsa! Well, you know, well, here's the thing. So, and I, gosh, I should have been more prepared for this. I believe Tulsa was one of the towns that at one point was uh, either either had a had a economic interest there kind of like we have the economic development corporation here in Kansas right. city, but I think they were incentivizing software developers to move there at one point. But yeah, a lot of, a lot of what's been going on with the, the move to Tulsa with some of this is they do have some, some plans and programs that are created specifically to attract startups to Tulsa. Yeah. So it looks like it's working, man. Yeah, looks like it's clearly. working. We're, we're starting to see. And I mean, the, this probably represents years worth of strategy and work, but we're starting to see it come to fruition because they're they're doing exactly what they intended to do, attracting talent and setting up a the opportunity yeah. for a tech renaissance in an unlikely city. Yeah. And this is, you know, platforms like this, which there's, you know, still emerging in many regards because the whole, the whole idea, it's like, Lauren, thank you for the kind things you said about the, the clips or the videos that I've produced. But, you know, I, I talk to, I, I, it's funny, I, I'd say a side hustle, but you have, have to actually get paid for it to be a hustle. So maybe I have a, I still have a side hustle of, I have quite a few uh, creators and quote influencers that I advise and yeah. talk to regularly. And why? Um, Cause apparently I'm a good person to talk to, to help you pull a dollar out of that. Now, um, but with that. you can pull a dollar out of most anywhere. I can try. Yeah. You're pretty good at that, man. <laughs> give you some suggestions on where to go with that. But with that, you know, creators, which, okay. So, like what getting what gets more views every day? People's reels and shorts and and you know TikToks or 
a lot of network programming yeah. is the answer is the first ones. And so the problem with that is, and so here's, you know, all right. So do you know that I made $400 last month using Facebook? Yeah. So you had mentioned that and I right. like you're, it, it's, it's an influencer thing, right? Well, yeah. And then they took it away. So now what? they didn't take it away from me. They canceled the program. Oh, so all right. Yeah. So the thing was, is all these platforms had been at war with each other about who's going to publish what, where, how, when, and, yeah. and a lot of that. So that was Facebook paying me for, for views. So you kind of have to climb the ladder on that and get to specific tiers before they unlock certain things. And, you know, it, it, it but, but with that, and, you know, here's, I'll be honest, like that $400 is not, does not cover the time, energy, and effort that went in and, and expense. I mean, it's better than a kick in the teeth, man. Like, it's $400. It's better well, right. than nothing. But, but, <laughs> it's still, but my point is, is like the creator economy is out there and, and you got to find a way to, to justify what you're doing. Because yeah. I have definitely known some people with decent sized audiences that got nothing out of it. And like yeah. at, at some point you get to the point, you're like, why am I doing this? And so there's, it, it's just not been a very straightforward path to monetization for content on a lot of days. So yeah, I dig it. I dig it. Keep it up. Fans up. Yeah. It feels like this one was kind of tailor-made for you. I mean, you you're such a music well, guy, me. you know? Yeah. I mean, I do, well, I've been, I'm always been upfront about the fact that I do a lot of the stuff that I and we do because it, we advertise full scale for it. So that's yeah. kind of like, that's the, you know, we've done sponsorships in the past and different stuff. And, I, and why don't we do that currently? Cause it's a huge pain in the ass. It really is. It's yeah. like, I mean, it is a zero sum game on a lot of days because you got to find someone to go sell it, react to it, plan it. It's kind of it. constant maintenance. Like, if there's you a lot to the choir, it. man. So, like. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that we came into 2023 and, you know, looking at it, and I was like, God, if we don't find a better way to do some of this stuff, this is just a big distraction. So, yeah, yeah. exactly. It certainly can be. Well, so so I, I'm really excited to talk about this next startup. They're called Airwise Solutions. And I don't know if you know this, Matt, but I have a weird fascination with drones. Did you know that? You know? I no. do. It's real weird. Uh, but I, I just, I find them very interesting. And so, so Airwise provides drones and software. Uh, their software, it, it's a really, it looks like a really comprehensive all-in-one tool uh, to tell, to help you out if you are interested in becoming a drone pilot or if you're a drone pilot, because they're offering flight planning software that manages the entire pre-flight process in one one location, one web-based interface. So they provide resource management, live streaming, safety enhancements, automated flight planning, launch data, weather alerts, automated flight plan download services. And, and one of the things that you need to know about drones is that they're, they're, they have to answer to a lot of regulations. Like you actually have to deal with the FAA and all of the, and so anything that can help drone pilots. And I, I'm assuming this is commercial and personal, but anything that can make that process easier for the average layperson, like it, it's become, you're making drone activity very accessible. 
And I, I dig that a lot because I've I've thought to myself that I'd be interested in getting really into drone piloting before, but it's a it looks like a really daunting process. All of the things that you have to know and learn, and it looks like Airwise is doing a great job to make that easier. You kind of want to have a drone. You're such a like you're you're a gadget guy. God, I knew it. I have a big one and a small one, and the big one I have. Of course, you do. But the big one is a few years old at this point, which that my point with that is when I first got it, there weren't a bunch of rules that went yeah. with it. And then, you know, and they're both made by DJ, DJI, which is, a, you know, probably the maker of consumer drones at this point. Yeah. Um, and, you know, with that, uh, when I remember the first one, the, the big one. And, uh, you know, it didn't have any throttle on it. And I've watched, and I say throttle, meaning like I could, it, I could just about fly that thing about as high as it would go. It, it, I mean, to the point where I couldn't see it. Yeah. And, you know, so some of that I've watched the regulations that they've put in and I've known some other people that have, we've had a couple conversations with companies that do drone type stuff and like yeah. needed software with it at full scale. And it's definitely a real thing. Like the, so I, I, I remember I bring this up because you, with the bigger drone, I like the little pocket size one too, but now those apps, they just don't let you fly them above X height or in certain areas right. or do stuff like that, which I understand the safety importance of that. Now, if you want to get around that or deal with it, you got to go through a whole process. And I started looking at it. Yeah. Here's the thing. It's like, realistically, it was kind of like the driver's test. Like it, it wasn't really like super heavy lifting. Yeah. But it was one more thing to do. Yeah. You know, it was like one more thing to go get done. And as a, as a hobby pilot, I was just like, yeah, I guess yeah. I'll just stay within the boundaries. And yeah, I remember. Yeah, uh, but I mean, if, if you want to do any kind of commercial drone usage, like no. if we're talking about commercial photography, if we're talking about, you know, delivery and logistics, if we're like, there are any number of ways that you can commercially utilize a drone, but you, to your point, like there, there are so many mechanisms and things that you have to go through and steps in the process to get qualified, certified, but then even just to get your drone in the air, yeah. you know, flight plans are complicated beasts, right? I don't know anything about flight plans. I know that flying those things is easy and hard at the same time. It depends on what you're trying to do. Yeah. Well, and I'm, like really good, I'm really good at like flying them in one direction. And when they're like coming back towards me, I got, you got to like do the opposite. And I'm just, yeah. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a an accident. Times I've tried I'm a, I'm an absolutely terrible at all of it. <laughs> you're, you're terrible at all of it? Oh, yeah, like all of it. Well, like I can't even play first person shooter video games because I swear I just find a corner and get stuck in it. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I'm not, I'm not your natural drone pilot for sure. You know, when we were, when we did start a puzzle TV and we had all that stuff going on at High V Arena here in Kansas City. Yeah. Um, first off, we wrecked the drone trying to film footage of the arena. <laughs> and and the funny thing was, is right before that, when we were flying it, someone came out and asked Johnny, who, who was flying it, like gave him a real hard time. Like, do you have yeah. a license? Like, like kind of threatened to turn the guy in. Johnny, we were kind of like, no, nah, it's no big deal. We're just doing this and we wrecked the thing. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a, there's a short uh, segment in episode zero where I was talking about that. 
Yeah. And I was like, because nothing was on time. I think I remember I was, that because uh, episode yeah. zero was one of the like w- one of the funniest I- episodes that we did because yeah. it was basically like, hey, want to start a web series? It's a total shit show. Yeah. Here's why. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That actually might be the most popular episode of the series. Actually, yeah. the, so it was, the, one, the one that I really loved was the camera. The one, one we didn't. The one where like none of us, none of us know how to use cameras properly. Yeah. And this that is was what that there. looks like. That might have been in there too. Yeah. Yeah. I just remember it's funny because we went to, we went and we had episode one and I was the one that created and edited episode zero because I had all this footage. I was like, this is kind of funny. I know because you called me at like two in the morning and you were like, check this out. And then you made me watch you edit footage. (laughs) No. Uh Uh-huh. You did. I was was right here in this office. (laughs) All right. Next on the list, NG. By the way, if you want to watch episode zero, there's a YouTube channel. You can go find it. It's still up there. Okay. NGHBR. Founded by Neighbor. Do you think it's Neighbor with no vowels in it? Maybe. I think so. They were just like, well, forget the vowels. We're not going to put in extras. We're just going to so remove Brandon all. Miguel and Terrell Williams. I'm sorry if that's it. It's either neighbor. Yeah, probably neighbor. <laughs> neighbor. N-G-H-B-R. Okay. I don't know. They, <laughs> it's neighbor. Oh, God. All right. They're a developer of an online social platform intended to al- allow users to know more about the people around them in real time. Neighbor. Your neighbors. Oh, no, <laughs> we did it very cool (laughs) (laughs) they've been in tech stars they raised some money in 2022 some of those some of those figures and stats are still a little unclear to our research team but yeah so we'll call them neighbor sorry about that guys but yeah it's uh it's professional people search and mapping both your local and affiliated networks to make it easier to connect in person you know Thank you for building stuff like this because it's, you know, it's amazing how you can be a neighbor to so many people and maybe not know anything about them. Yeah. Do you know your neighbors? I don't really know my neighbors. So I've lived in the same house for, this will be the 10th year that we've been in it. Yeah. And with that, um, I've seen a complete turn. I live in a cul-de-sac, so I've seen a complete turnover of all my neighbors. I know, I know them. Yeah. Um, but I don't know, know them. Like, I don't know that I don't hang out with we're them. On, we're on like waving from a distance basis, basically. Yeah. Like if we go out to our cars at the same time. My neighbor Lee actually is a, is a startup hustle fan at this point. So he's, he's one of, he's one of, he's one of our top fans on the Facebook. Nice. Hey Lee. Yeah. Yeah, someone's, yeah. Thank you, Lee. Thank you for being my neighbor. <laughs> So, and, and actually he was a great resource for suggesting the dog trainer that we have for oh, our nice. puppy. Yeah. How, how is the puppy? Do, Shits do, on the going. floor a lot. Oh yeah. We're working through it. Super cute though. Yeah. She's, that's the problem is <laughs> you're just so cute. You're just like, oh, oh, it's a different Look at that adorable dog. little shit in the corner. Yeah. That's exactly <laughs> how that goes. All right. All right. Well, so next up we have Solace Vision and Solace Solace Vision is a 3D creation tool. And so they're, they're using AI and natural language models to create 
to help people create virtual objects in minutes using text. So they're, they're trying to make 3D creation more accessible and using these natural language tools, they can open the door to modeling for people who wouldn't otherwise know how to do so. Um, that, that's really fun, but they, they're providing a, a dashboard to, for folks to edit projects. They can describe what 3D model they want to create through text. And I'm trying, I'm trying to think of like the implications of this. And like, I, the thing that I keep thinking about is 3D printing. Like the fact is so many people got really, really into the idea of 3D printing at home, right? But the fact is like, you actually have to have a little bit of technical knowledge to 3D print, right? You have to know how modeling works and, and what kind of information to feed this, this 3D printer. And so, so what I'm taking from Solace Vision is, hey, let's go ahead and take the guesswork out. Let's use AI to, to create models using language the way people actually talk. You know, we're, we're going to strip out the jargon and we're going to figure out what you need based on your very simple descriptions of a product, project. And that's really cool because 3, 3D modeling has always kind of been a, an intimidating process to me. I bet you probably have a 3D printer. Don't I don't. Oh, my God. No way. You know, I was thinking about getting <laughs> one, but I look at them and I'm like, oh, man, like, what do I got to learn to figure out how to do this? You yeah. Know, my kids are probably, I have a six and an eight year old that probably figure it out like in like a minute. Oh, sure. But, but yeah. I mean, imagine like if you wanted to make a three, I, I don't know, like a 3D model of a heart, you were like a cardiologist and you wanted to make one to like show your, I don't know, your patients or something like that. Like, hey, this is where your heart's messed up. Um, you know, you wouldn't necessarily have the lexicon to be able to create that. And you wouldn't know how to feed in the appropriate numbers to figure out what that would look like at scale. And so being able to describe something using accessible terms, that's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I just, anything I, we love democratizing access to, to these really high-minded tech concepts. Um, it's one of the things that, that Matt, Matt, you, you guys do on, on your, how to build a tech company. You take all of the complication out of it and you explain it in simple terms. And that's what Solace Vision is doing. Right. Yeah. I like it. And yeah. I mean, yeah, I think anything that, like you mentioned, that simplifies, some of that stuff. And that's, you know, yeah, I'll probably have a 3d printer soon. I feel like, like I very rarely come across a, a tech product that you do not already own. So <laughs> I am not, that's I have a spending problem. You have a, you have a FOMO problem. <laughs> I don't you know about want, that. You're, an, not, you're I, an early adopter at heart. You want to play with all the cool toys. I just like to, well, some of it, I like to see what's up. You know, yeah. just like some of it. I mean, and you know, you talk about just like emerging things. I, I'm a tinkerer. I'm not yeah. going to claim. I mean, I fully admit it. I'm a terrible drone pilot. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I just wanted to try it. I've had, a bunch, had, little, no, oh, I've had a bunch of little drones too, actually, now that I thought about it. I had a couple that looked like this Star Wars, like the X-Wing and another I one. Have, I have one like, of those actually. Yeah, I had like a Millennium or yeah. whatever Darth Vader ship was. Those weren't, those weren't very uh, robust. Well, one of these days we'll get together and we'll accidentally destroy each other's drones. How do you think? I flew <laughs> one of those into my neighbor's window and Is was terrified. It lead? didn't break. Oh my God. I was terrified when I did it. I was like, oh God. Yeah. All right. Next on the list is Arrive, and that is spelled without the E. So A-R-R-I-V, uh, led by CEO and founder Alex Zuby and VP of Engineering Justin Wilson. You can go to Arrive, once again, no, no E, 
com and learn more about what they're doing. It's a digital platform built for on-demand healthcare facilities. It's, uh, you know, they're the, it, the they're currently the health healthcare industry's highest converting online check-in solution, which I'm so down for. I don't know if this is what I used recently, but I was so happy to do my check-in online when I went to a doctor's appointment the other day. I was yeah. like, oh, thank you. Thank you. So, cause you know, why do I have to fill out the same 60 Every forms? single time. <laughs> right. At least and let me do it online. I did it really changed. quickly online. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to assume that was them, but you know, they, they use machine learning to reduce wait times for patients and, you know, keep the staff from getting overloaded. And that's important too, because yeah. you're sitting, if you, you're wondering like why it's, it's impossible, it, it's not impossible, but it's, it's difficult to predict what occurs in a physician's day. Right. You know, so that, so, you know, I'm assuming that the, the, the machine learning algorithm is, yeah, it forecasts, uh, you know, it, it can for people are, we're habitual as people and as workers and some people yeah. uh, work quickly. Some people don't, there's certain kinds of things that come up that, that, may historically have a higher probability of taking longer than others. And then some of it too is like, I mean, can I, if the doctor's an hour behind, tell me I'll right. show up later. You know, yeah. I think we all get ants in our pants when we're sitting in the waiting room going, come on, come on, come on. Yeah, I would agree. Same, same. You, know, I took, you talk about like that same weight. I took my, uh, my son to sports clips yesterday to get a haircut because he really needed one. And yeah. And when we checked in, it was like, there's a 32 minute wait and there's something machine learning can't predict. So there's two women cutting hair when we got there. And then one of them literally quit her job and clocked While out. You were there? Like, yeah. What I mean, did you it do was, to it her? Wasn't, it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't like dramatic, like you would yeah. think it would be, but I'm sitting there going, I was telling my son, I was like, Hey buddy, you're going to be next. And then this lady kind of disappears into the back. And then like the other lady went back there and then the other one just comes out. She's got a bag on backpack on and clocks out and leaves. And yeah. fortunately we were next in line no matter what, but I sat there and I was just, I was thinking, I was like, what are you, you guys are doing everything other than cutting people's hair right now. But yeah. And yeah. Then, then the other lady was like, well, she just quit. And I was like, okay. So yeah, but that took a lot longer than it. But arrive, arrive could have responded to that. Maybe, I don't know, maybe in real I, time. That's why I said, I think know, machine, like, that's, that's a pretty unpredictable machine thing, learning will have a tough time predicting <laughs> that. But, yeah, but that, yeah, that but, was but, an outlier. <laughs> but look, that's, but what they're doing is important because, you know, patient satisfaction. I bet if I made a post on Facebook right now that asked for your last doctor's appointment, what, did it actually occur on time? I bet 80%, if not more, are going to say no. Yeah. And there'll probably be a sea of comments underneath that of, it's kind of like when you ask people if they like their bank. Do you like your bank? No. Okay. Not at all. But it's such a pain in the ass to switch. We were in the process of switching to Silicon Valley Bank. If we had done Ouch. our jobs better, we Ouch. actually would have been banking there. Yeah. <laughs> Dodged a bullet through inefficiency. Yeah. Awesome. But after that occurred and all that time and effort we put into it, we're like, oh, shit, I guess we're just going to, yeah. Yeah. Um, Settling for fun. mediocrity. Yeah. Right. Uh -huh. <laughs> 
Well, so so the I, and this is the second time this has happened, man. But I, I somehow have once again ended up with the last but not least pay factory, uh, and and that's super fun for me. But to be to do the last one, yeah, I don't know. I just or to do it for pay factory. No, to well to do the last one. Oh. I, we're we're but we're about to hear why pay factory is awesome. Okay. Uh, but so pay factory. And I thank you for that ease of use pronunciation. Uh, they <laughs> enable software vendors to effortlessly integrate payment assistance. Uh, they're they're helping you know business owners and folks who are accepting payments to own the merchant experience. They're minimizing risk. They're giving peace of mind. Um, they, so so security and banking. Like I so I was I was a banker for a very very brief period of time, and I also worked for a credit card processor. And and one of the things that is like the super super buzzword is always that security and risk, right? And so so folks who are trying to accept payments, you know, that has to be absolutely top of mind for any provider. And it looks like PayFactory is helping to provide that that peace of mind that comes with extra security, extra layers of security to mitigate that risk. Um, you know, they're making it really, really simple to accept payments and to take payouts through their APIs. You know, they have a really, really strong and structured onboarding process, which is super cool. Uh, you know, when I worked for a credit card processor, we did not have a great onboarding process. And I will tell you that that is a game changer for customers, right? Sometimes that first touch point that you have with a company can definitely color the rest of the experience. And PayFactory has put a lot of time into figuring out what their onboarding process needs to be. So, so they're doing a lot of really cool stuff and they're a fully integrated solution in a space that requires a lot of trust. Um, so, so I like to see that. How about you? Integrating payment, anything or subscription, anything into software platforms has been challenging over the years. I mean, it's not... Um, there's a little bit more to it than just plugging something in and turning it on. Um, right. You know, there's, and, and people accept payments in a number of shapes and forms. You have full payment, partial payment, deposits, you know, yeah. like recurring refunds, because you got to be able to give it back. If you can take it, you got to be able to give it back as well. Right. And, you know, and then uh, on top of that too, it's like, okay, so that's just for your software platform. What if your software platform is a platform that helps other people collect money? You know, cause like we rent through that at Gigabook, there's 10 million payment processors and every single one of them would require separate integration. Right. So at one point we're like, we're taking Stripe, PayPal and authorized.net. That was what we went with. And yeah, yeah love it. There's a lot to be said with that. It's, it can be a re- it can be a really really complicated process for sure. So so I, I love the fact that PayFactory is making it easier. Um, it's a it, it's an industry that doesn't have a lot of um, clarity. Like there's a lot of opacity yeah. around payment processing. Um, so so way to go, PayFactory. You know what's not complicated? What? Hiring software engineers, testers, and leaders when you go to fullscale.io. That's a quick thanks and a shout out to Fullscale for sponsoring another episode of Startup Hustle and helping us guide you through who we think some of Tulsa's top startups are. If you visit fullscale.io, all you need to do is answer a few questions and let the platform match you up with fully vetted, highly experienced team of software engineers, testers, and leaders. 
Fullscale, we specialize in building long-term teams that work only for you, fullscale.io. All right, here we are. We're, we've made it through Tulsa. Uh, who do you like? Who's your fave? Surprising absolutely nobody. Bottles coming in for my favorite. And I there is a lot of bias in there, and I don't feel bad about it. I have always loved Bottle and will always love Bottle. Uh, but then the other one that I really dug was, was Totem. You know, I mean, of course... We need to do more to serve our indigenous populations and we need to close equity gaps. And one of the greatest ways that greatest ways we can do that is through financial equity. And so so Totem is doing a really, really heavy lift in a space that deeply, deeply needs it. So those are my two picks. How about you? Well, since you took two two great ones off of the list and you know I, I took and, two. <laughs> I know. So I'm gonna pick I'm going with Fansub. And I'm just going to say that because I like, uh, I'm a big supporter of anyone that's making, you know, I have a history. I worked in the music industry for a while. Those are creators different, slightly different than what we might be looking at here, but you could still use, I mean, fan sub. I see, uh, you know, I see this, I've seen the struggles that a lot of creators and performers have over the years, especially when it comes to, ticketing and streaming and stuff like that i've seen people try to do events and then they don't go very well because of this or that or the platform's not right and i think anything yeah. that is making it easier for people to put their stuff out sell a ticket not have to go through Ticketmaster to deal with that and also like just be able to stream it in a way that's a little more accessible so yeah. We'll go with them since you since you you pulled a couple good ones. I know I took them. I would have picked no them while I was up there, but that's but we 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 are a little biased, so it's true. Well, <laughs> I guess we're gonna have to hit, jump in the virtual car and head to another city. So do you know where we're headed next? I do, but I don't have it written. No. Okay. Yes or no? <laughs> I don't want. All I, right. I think I do. I think we're going to Seattle next, but Ooh, I can't, but I can't remember if that went in for next month or the following. So okay. stay tuned to hit that, hit that yeah. subscribe button and maybe that fifth star in the review while we, while we figure out where we're going. See you yeah. down the road, Lauren. See ya. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.